Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. They began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed be those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace, peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't like being told what to do. And if you've ever, yeah, my wife immediately looks at me, but it's true. And if you've ever worked on, say, a staff with me, you would know this to be true. I don't like being told what to do, which is a bit ironic because I am a rule follower. And so it's sort of a weird place where I oftentimes find myself. I don't mind the rules. I just don't like being reminded of the rules. And there is a difference, and I stand by it. Which is why I have such a unique relationship this morning with this section of the Sermon on the Mount known as the Beatitudes. Because for me, I have heard these in some ways as a reiteration of rules, a set of imperatives that we must follow in order that we may be blessed. In other words, when it says, blessed are the meek or the poor in spirit or those who are mourning, in my mind I hear is a set of imperatives. Be poor in spirit. Be in mourning so that you may be blessed. But again, today is a reminder that blessedness is not something that you earn. Instead, it is a gift that is given. And Jesus is laying before us the gift that is the kingdom of heaven and with it telling us not what we need to do, but instead explaining how it is that God is present in all that we do, providing us a perspective on and vocabulary for understanding the kingdom of heaven, which last week we heard is already at hand. Last week, you may recall, was the calling of the disciples. Follow me, Jesus said, and they did. They put their nets down and they went. And then we were told that Jesus took them and showed them as they experienced what it would mean to be a follower of Christ. Our gospel ended with these words. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. To this point in Matthew's gospel, there have been imperatives, two actually. The first imperative is repent, a message dating back to John the baptizer himself, now arrested and in jail. And the second is to follow. Repent 
and follow. And for now, if you do those things, Jesus will take care of the rest. And they are seeing this. As they travel through the region of Galilee, they witness how Jesus is taking care of the rest. That in and through these experiences of healing and teaching, that people are beginning to glimpse the kingdom of heaven for whose repentance we usher in. And this kingdom of heaven is spreading. People are getting glimpses of it, and they want more. So much, in fact, that Jesus has no choice but to retreat up to the top of a mountain so that he can be alone with his disciples in this moment, on top of a mountain. Again, recalling in the history of God's people the moment when Moses went on the top of Mount Sinai to get, you guessed it, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Rules for the people of God to live by. So again, you can see where for me, these nine blessed opportunities today sometimes can be heard as nine rules, but we must understand blessedness through the lens of repentance. Because repentance means an end to looking for blessedness in the wrong places. Blessedness isn't about the stuff we have but it's about God's presence in the stuff we deal with. God's presence when we're mourning, or when we feel like our spirit isn't as high as it could be, or when we are called to be meek. Indeed, a presence that for us is merciful, peaceful, comforting, and so much more. And the only way, the only way we truly know the gifts of this presence, the only way we truly know the fullness of this kingdom is if we repent, if we turn around, turn our bodies, but also our minds and our hearts around to see what God is up to. Because just as blessedness isn't about just feeling good, but living with confidence in the midst of turmoil, so too, repentance isn't about feeling bad, but it's about knowing that we can turn to God for blessing when we need it most. And the blessings that are laid before us today aren't just reserved for people experiencing particular things, but instead are for all people at all times because we experience these deficiencies, these struggles collectively. Take, for example, blessed are those who mourn. For me, growing up, when you would say the word mourning, right, my mind immediately goes to the loss of a loved one. And in my experience, in my family, that mourning was a very private experience. We didn't really talk about it too much. Maybe we gathered at a family to say goodbye to a, a beloved member of it. But, but other than that, Indeed, mourning for me was very much directly correlating to the death of a loved one, and it was a private endeavor. And so when I hear these beatitudes, I ask myself, well, no one in my family has died recently, so I'm not in mourning, and therefore I'm not black. But that's because I have a narrow vision of what mourning can be, but perhaps more important, a narrow vision of how blessed we really are. Because I hate to say it, Mourning isn't just an individual act, it is a communal act. In this very church, in this very place, we gather to mourn the saints who have died, whether it be gathering for a service of prayer, praise, and thanksgiving, or at all saints to light candles and to say prayers for the saints who have died. 
We, we mourn as communities. Think about all the communities in mourning this week, ranging from California to Iowa to Washington, that have been rocked by mass shootings and gun violence. Those communities are mourning together, and yet those communities are blessed because God is with them in their mourning. Think about our country. We mourn the scourge of gun violence. We are mourning for the racism that leads to violence in our own cities. And yet, we are blessed because God is with us even as we struggle. As a world, we are in mourning. We are lamenting over the warfare that breaks out. We're lamenting over the rising sea levels. We're lamenting the refugee crisis as a result of these realities. And yet, we are blessed. And the thing about each of these occasions is that they stand in stark contrast to the realities of God's kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven. All of these things I just described are directly, diametrically opposed to the kingdom and vision that Jesus has for his disciples and for you and I as well. Which is why this sermon, this penultimate sermon, at the beginning of his ministry on the mountaintop, calls us to repent to turn and to see the blessing in our lives, even in the midst of our lives' struggles. I am convinced that the Sermon on the Mount is meaningless unless we first take seriously the call to repent, to turn and to see the kingdom of heaven at hand. Because if we're not willing to see what God is up to, these are just words. But if we really take seriously what it means to be blessed, then this becomes a way of living. It becomes our reality. Today, this reality, this blessedness is described as proximity to God, closeness to God when we need God most. And we were told last week, the kingdom of heaven is already at hand. And again, these disciples are standing in the presence of God himself on the mountaintop. But we too, people of God, are standing in the presence of God. Whether it be the real presence here in the bread and the wine, or the presence in the body of Christ, the hands and the feet that do God's work in the world. Today, I need to turn around and see these beatitudes in a new way. These aren't nine rules for how it is that we can become blessed, but a reminder of how it is that we are already blessed. And perhaps the most poignant are the last ones that Jesus shares. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are reviled because of my name. Now look, the truth is, it's very seldom I feel persecuted. Reviled maybe, persecuted not much. The truth is, we are still blessed. They are still blessed. And they know that what is ahead of them will be those very things. They know as they hear these words that John himself has already been imprisoned for the message to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The same message they were called to follow with. 
they are going to find out that Jesus is going to end up on the cross because of this message. And before he dies, you know what Jesus is going to tell them? Take up your own cross in the meantime. They know that these blessings are their reality. And that's why they need to be reminded that they are blessed. That they understand that the reality of the kingdom of heaven isn't some pie-in-the-sky thing. It is already at hand in the presence everlasting of the divine. Because in this moment, these disciples need a blessing for the ministry ahead, just as we need a blessing for our lives ahead of us. Which is why, dear people of God, I want to leave you with this reminder. You are blessed. I am blessed. We are blessed. Not because of what we do, but because of what God has already done. So when we feel these realities take root in our daily lives, when we feel like there's nowhere to turn, we must repent. We must turn back to God and be reminded of this gift offered to us once more. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.